good news. COVID-19 plans are now complete and await your go-code. Excellent, comrade. This plan moves our agenda to near completion. Soon the United States will be in our complete control. Affirmative. Our plans of world domination are becoming a reality. In fact, the program COVID-19 is ready to execute on all of our Western assets, not just the USA. Excellent, comrade. You never disappoint me. So, our political assets are all in place then? Yes, Master. All Prime Ministers and Presidents worldwide are all compromised and ready for immediate compliance with the Grand Vision. And our media assets? They're ready for delivery of the COVID-19 program? Yes, Master. All television and radio assets are in place and await your go-ahead. Wonderful, comrade. Are our international monetary partners, are they all ready for immediate execution to flood the targets with mass financial bailouts? Of course, Master. Uh, all is ready for our glorious success. Excellent, Comrade N23. You may execute the plan, COVID-19. The mission is a go. episode of the General Knowledge Podcast. It is uh, Saturday, April 11, sitting here in uh, at Easter time, and no one can go anywhere. You can't do anything. It's uh, We're on lockdown because of the stupid fucking coronavirus again, of course. Um, so yeah, that's, that's continuing. We're going to chat more about that in this episode. And of course, uh, I am joined uh, by my two compatriots, Andy Soames and Ethan Nash. Andy, how you going, brother? Very good, thanks, General. Yeah, it's a thanks. lovely uh, afternoon in Brisbane. So um, yeah, going very, very nicely. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, it is. It'd be good to be able to get outside and enjoy the weather and go camping or something. But uh, no, you can't do that. No, we're on lockdown because uh, you might get sick while you're camping or something. You might catch coronavirus in the middle of nowhere. So you know, got to got to self isolate and social distance, even though you're not around anyone. Um, yeah. Yeah, Ethan. Thanks, Van, for coming on board. Appreciate you being here for this uh, episode again. Thanks, General, and, and happy Easter, fellas, to the land of, of freedom. What a, <laughs> what a great time to be in, in a free world country. Oh, it's a great time to be alive, yeah, isn't it? <laughs> oh. No, it's good to be good to be here, gents. It's uh, As always, things are just continuing to heat up, so looking forward to, to having a chat today. Awesome. Yeah, I did mention to Andy just off air that um, I think we're up to... What do I say, Andy? The seventh. This will be the seventh podcast with regards to this coronavirus. Um, I think one, two, three, four, eight, five, or maybe the six, something like that. It might be the six for this one. So episode twelve, we're up to for this for this one, boys. A um, <laughs> few angles we're going to cover in this one, but we figured we'll just have a bit of a general chit chat to begin with before we cover the nitty gritty stuff. Um, and just off air, just before we started recording for the listeners out there, we were just having a chat. About some of the people we've we know, and uh, Andy mentioned. Andy, I wouldn't mind getting you to mention that again. Actually, too, you you, you know a doctor at um, the PA? Did you say? 
Um, yeah, I, I, I do know, like, uh, through a friend of a friend uh, that's um, uh, a doctor uh, in, in uh, the PA, yeah, that's right. And what did he who say has in mentioned, comments? I have, who has mentioned that, there, uh, that he's only uh, walked past a ward with a supposed COV-19 patient in there who was on a ventilator and, um, you know, recovering well. But apart from that, he hasn't seen or treated or had any involvement with any COV-19 patients. <laughs> Which is, I guess, the opposite of what we're being told from, you know, the media all around the world that hospitals and are overwhelmed, you know, bursting at the seams with treating COV, uh, you know, COVID-19 patients. <laughs> like, <laughs> And yet all of the testimony we're seeing from the people on the ground, Ethan, you know, the doctors, the nurses, the ER specialists, blah, 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 they're all coming out. You know, Twitter is alive with all of them saying, um, yeah, I've been sent home. We're all getting sent home because we're bored. There's nothing to do. I've had all my shifts cut at work and they're all, you know, these are all nurses and stuff and people who will be treating these things. Bored out of their minds, you know. <laughs> citizen, citizen journalists are taking video footage of the staff members just sitting on their phone in, their, in the hospitals because they're bored out of their minds. There's nothing going on. Where's all the sick it's, people? <laughs> it's it's absolutely incredible, isn't it, General? Where are all the sick people? You'd think... Well, it's a pandemic. A, a pandemic. It, like, forgive me, but in, am I on the wrong page with everyone here? Like, did I grow up not understanding what a pandemic is? Like, when I think of all these plagues and pandemics, I think of mass sick people and people dying and uh, hospitals over-flooding but this is not what we're seeing. Not This is not what we're seeing. We're seeing even not just from citizen journalists, but from the doctors and whatnot themselves. They're putting up videos of them dancing in, in corridors and little dance routines that we're, they're doing. We're seeing uh, reports coming out talking about how GPs, independent little GPs, are going out of business because no one's going to the GP. Mm. Now, you'd start to think to yourself, if this was as bad as everyone was was carrying on about, especially the mainstream media for months and all of these restrictions that they've warranted, wouldn't you think there'd be some sick people um, developing if we're continuing to get cases by cases every day? Where are the sick people? It's it's <laughs> it's a very interesting thing to to unfold, General. It's Where'd hard for them to contain it. Where to go? <laughs> I heard like, I heard a ninety-one-year-old lady was the latest victim for COVID nineteen. Oh, of, of course, so, of yeah, course, it was COVID nineteen that killed her. It wasn't it wasn't any other age-related illness. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't ninety-one years of living. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, did you see that meme I shared the other day? I thought it was brilliant. It was so good, just to highlight the hypocrisy and the stupidness of this. And it was the picture of the yeah. Well, it was a. Uh, a diver, um, as in like a springboard diver or something, but they've put him in like open air background and it, the, the caption read on a CNN headline <laughs> at the bottom, um, skydiver forgets parachute and dies of COVID-19 or something like that, you know, like... <laughs> so, that was gold, say, you know. Yeah, just to show how stupid it is. And because, hey, look, it's not it's not all stupid because, the, you know, it's come out from the CDC and even the WHO where they're, they're telling health authorities around the world and hospitals to be very liberal with their their you know death certificate certificates and causes of death when people are dying in hospital of other diseases and other pre-morbidity cases that they've got and they're telling them to be rather liberal that they can actually put down the cause of death as covid-19 or coronavirus on death certificates even mm. though 
there was no test performed to say they even had it in the first place or that that actually caused their death. They're being told by these leading bodies that they're allowed to do that. Look it up, folks. It's in their own writing on their own websites as well. People absolutely. That. Yeah, what a hoax. Yeah, it's absolute. I mean, we've said it from day one since it began. You know, it's it's just an absolute, you know, the textbook picture hoax. But it's gone just to um, extraordinary lengths. But the the interesting thing, just following on for what you were talking about, General, is now the statistics are starting to backfire on them. Um, there was an article by the New York Times, and I've seen a lot of statistics in relation to this, talking about how other chronic diseases are now starting to drop off. There's an article by the New York Times saying, where have all the heart attacks gone? <laughs> because heart attacks, <laughs> all of these diseases are now dropping significantly because, as you've said, General, they're just putting COVID-19 As down. the cause of death. Yeah, they have a heart attack or coming for a coronary arrest. Oh, no, no, COVID-19. Like, fuck Wait. me. He had a bit of a cough. Stats. Yeah. yeah. He had a bit of a cough before he had that um, brutal heart attack. So, so must in, in reality, the stats haven't changed at all. But on the actual statistics of being recorded, yeah, they're right. They're seeing these drops in these you know, deaths from cancer or heart disease or whatever else you were saying. And, and that's because they're putting the death down as fucking COVID-19. Like, how ridiculous yep. is that? It's actually <laughs> going to the point now where you're right. It's skewing the stats even more into the absurdity um, exactly but I the just... mainstream media won't report on that oh, you know no. they, they'll just keep because this and this is how the trickery of statistics work you know because by doing this yes the covid 19 statistics are technically correct because that amount of covid 19s were signed off on death certificates but the, as we're exposing underneath the surface the rest of the diseases are falling off so yeah. You know, you've just got to look at the bigger picture here, folks, and, and just ask the question, you know, what what's really going on here? Oh, it reminds me of one of my favorite, I think it's from The Simpsons, um, where Homer's, oh, no, I can't remember where it was. I thought it was Simpsons, but it might not be. But it was like, um, someone says, you know, oh, 86% of all statistics are made up. You know, <laughs> it's like, it's an oxymoron, of course, you know, like it's he's just made that up himself, you know, like, <laughs> I thought it was very funny, yeah. Um, but you're right, I mean, we've had, um, I've had a, a, a close friend of mine who uh, works, she works one day a week at the QE2 hospital, um, but she also lectures in nutrition at, um, I think it was one of the universities, I didn't ask her, hang on, I'll just tell you exactly. Uh, she lectures at UQ, sorry, nutrition, and she works one day a week at QE2 in a clinical role. Um, and I was chatting to her about it because we were just talking about things like the David Icke interview and, as I mentioned, just off air before we started recording, boys. But, um, you know, we, we discussed that and we thought it was a great interview. And for anyone who hasn't watched it, probably share it around and do yourself a favor. It's, it's very interesting and it's a good watch as well. Good interview. Um, it's a good, in, good info in there that you can also research yourself and look up to verify. Um, but I mentioned to my... My friend here, who you know, she's she knows her shit. She's a professional in this in this area. Um, I just wanted to sort of read these comments out for some of the people listening. So she goes, um, it's, she says, interesting about the testing method. She says she's actually done RT PCR testing in a lab, um, and she goes, I didn't realize that that's how they're testing for coronavirus. And I went, yep. And she says, I can see how that wouldn't work. You only have to get the primer slightly wrong and you could be picking up any section of the DNA strand. Um, and she said she thought she heard that some lab had isolated it. 
um, but you'd need the full DNA sequence to be able to be able to cross check and make sure you were getting what you were looking for. Um, and I said, yeah, in this PCR test that they're doing for coronavirus doesn't also test for the for viral load. So basically, it won't tell you how much of the virus you have in you. It may it'll just tell you that you have the virus, but that has also been exposed to be a massive sham. And that um, I think in the David Icke interview himself, he even discusses and talks about, and this is verifiable as well, that the the creator of that PCR test, who was a uh, a Nobel Prize recipient, I think as well, um, was even on the record himself saying before he passed away that um, this this PCR test should not be used uh, in the detection of of these viruses and stuff that it's it's inaccurate and it should it was never designed to do that but that's what they're using to test for this stuff um and i think you boys may have also watched i'm pretty sure andy you have as well that there's some um, gentleman by the name of dr andrew kaufman in the u.s um he did a little really good interview and um i'll make i think pretty sure i've shared it on facebook but i'll make it available in the show notes for people to to click on as well and to watch as well but he was also talking about how these PCR tests that they're doing um, are, are inaccurate, coming up with false positives, which we discussed on previous episodes of, uh, of the General Knowledge Podcast with regards to the coronavirus, that the false positives are through the roof. Um, it's so unreliable, but yet that's what they're using to test for coronavirus. And they're not even, there's no test in the world, and I'm pretty sure Dr. Kaufman backs this up as well, that there is no test in the world available at this point in time that can specifically test for COVID-19. It doesn't exist. There is no test that can test for that. Um, they're simply saying that what they're, what they're finding in these DNAs and in, in these cells is that you have what looks to be a coronavirus. You must have COVID-19. And that's, that's the diagnosis. And that's how people are saying that they've got coronavirus. How ridiculous is that? And now they're talking about creating, you know, vaccines to, to protect against COVID-19 and stuff when they can't even identify COVID-19. It hasn't even ever been isolated. No virus has ever been isolated, in fact. And I'm pretty sure you can research the Perth group who will back that up as well. Um, what do you think of that, boys? Have you heard that sort of stuff as well? Have you watched those um, those videos from Dr. Kaufman and, uh, or seen any information with regards to that? Uh, I'll throw to you, Andy. Have you seen that stuff? Yeah, Man, oh, look, I, I've, I've had this verified from so many different sources and so many videos and stuff like that. So, you know, as far as I'm and concerned... And we're not talking the jury... conspiracy theorists here, are we, Andy? We're talking oh, professionals man, look, in their we're fields. We're way beyond that. We're way Doctors, past that scientists, now, yeah. Like, um, you know, for me, I, I don't, you know, mention anything until I sort of get right in and spend at least a few hours on something because I think that this is the cornerstone of the whole thing. So I have spent like, you know, I reckon a good two weeks like digging deep into this whole into this whole RT PCR test thing. So man, I'm 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 a hundred percent convinced that this this test that everything is is that based the data on. is all based on is like isn't capable of giving an accurate C O V nineteen results useless. like for, for data. Yeah, correct. It's absolutely complete fraud. So everything else around it is a house of cards, in my opinion. Mm, yeah, you cause, can't because this is sitting at the bottom of it, and everything's built on top of these tests, which are correct. which are fake, false, can't detect for jack shit. Um, yeah, you're right. So, Definitely a house of cards, man. Yeah. So the, yeah, I, I'm I'm completely with you on that, general. So mm. yeah, it's taken me a while to sort of do it, but like these. 
oh man, like multiple, multiple, multiple sources and physical sources, not just not just online videos, but like talking to to doctors that I know too. And it's funny too, even when you talk to hospital staff here, they just like they don't they don't deny it or they don't affirm it, but you get that look and you and you know that it's, it's just you know like it's 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 an area where people just don't want to go to so mm. and i'm pretty uh, sure like my my friend who i was talking about before i'm pretty sure i've just asked her now i'll wait till she gets back to me and if she gets back to me i'll let everyone know but i um i'm pretty sure she's a uh She's a, yeah, she is. She's a PhD scientist. She's she has a PhD in this shit, so she knows what she's talking about. And even even you know her herself is backing up that this test basically shouldn't be used for detecting coronavirus and stuff. You know she. So I mean, there's there's professionals out there. We're not going by hearsay and you know oh some you know conspiracy theorist or Alex Jones said it on his podcast or some shit or whatever. No. You know we're talking. These are medical professionals in their fields who are backing this up and coming out and speaking out putting their careers on the line and going you know we're doing the wrong thing we're make we're testing for the wrong stuff the tests are useless um you know we don't even know if coronavirus or covid-19 exists it's never been isolated this is all coming out and yet the yeah. media is crickets chirping the media is all social distancing oh people aren't social distancing i mean ethan have you have you watched these um the talk from that andrew kaufman or you know have you you seen information with regards to this thing to you know to back it up and and are you on board with that sort of hypothesis as well yeah absolutely general um i've from what i've looked into it you know with these tests it's I, i concur with andy it just seems like it's a complete fraud it's this underpinning narrative you know we were joking about it a couple of episodes ago you know it's like who is administering these tests what do these tests entail you know and as more and more information has come out you know we were joking about it saying what they're just going to take your little swab put it in a little machine and ding 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 here's covid19 you know you haven't isolated viruses there's there's lots of evidence out there to, to suggest they don't even exist that they're things that are activated in us if we do get sick you know there's a there's a mountain of alternative information towards this and the consensus isn't even sealed on what viruses are what all these things are all we've been told throughout history is from you know an appeal to consensus an appeal to mass authority and when you look at these tests general it's just it's just typical scientific religious jargon the priests of the science world Mm -hmm. that just come out and they can't be questioned because they know the doctrines they've read the scriptures you haven't we know the word of the book here and we're the scientists and because we say this test works it works but you know when you do further you know research on it you can see that it just seems like it's a big scam to begin with mate Mm. yeah 100 percent, mate I think that you know the, the sorry. You're right, you go. I think that the the weight of all of this international pressure and and this theme that's been rolled out throughout the whole world is so heavy on an individual doctor that wants to come out and and basically start telling the truth. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the weight of you know like going against this? worldwide narrative now you know like it's so heavy it, it would make like coming out with like the whole measles scam and stuff like that that would be like child's play coming like like compared to this thing now it is so heavy in the media and so 
so deeply programmed now, like um, anyone coming out to it is is going to appear like an absolute lunatic. Yeah, it's purely Orwellian, Andy. It's pure yeah, Orwellian yeah. doctrine. You know, this is where I said last episode. It, it's gone beyond just a, a normal event now. It's not just it's not just there's going to be two sides of the dialogue, and you know, like throughout the rest of history where, you know, events happen, whether it's shootings or 9-11 or all these things, and there's two sides of the dialogue and we're just seen as crazy. It's, no, now we're going to be seen as a threat and people are going to see that, you know, people that want to speak out, they're just going to see that this is a worldwide consorted, you know, consolidated effort to to run this narrative. And the programming is so deep, Andy, I, I completely agree, mate. Yeah, um, I just wanted to to bring up boys because we're talking about the you know the obvious hoax that this is and the the zero attention that the media throws on uh, on this and I've been sharing some stuff over the last fortnight since the last episode as well um, with regards to <laughs> the the inaccuracies and all this sort of stuff that's been going up. And one of the, one of the things I, I thought was just hilarious and it needed to be shared was the fact that I think it was the Irish times came out and, uh, and said that they've now the, one of their latest victims of COVID-19 was a 13 year old boy. Did you guys see that horrible, horrible news boys? Did you, did you hear of that one? <laughs> no, no, I haven't seen that I didn't, one. I didn't, General. Tell oh, us what, what happened. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you more. I'll tell you more, fellas, because terrible. Oh, it's horrible. This this poor thirteen year old boy. That's um, you know that that it's the tragic loss that this family has suffered. That this poor you know this this poor thirteen year old boy has uh, has passed away from coronavirus. Oh, wait a minute. Sorry, 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 guys. This boy has actually died not once, not twice. He's died three times now. Oh, I saw this one. Yes. <laughs> this young boy yeah. has been used uh, three times now in the media. He's he's passed away three times. He's had three different names, <laughs> and it's the exact same boy. We shared that one as well. So the Irish Times, Connor Wilmot... Um, oh, sorry. No, they weren't even the one that shared it. Sorry, it was the Mirror. Um, the Mirror was the one that shared it. Connor Wilmot, his name is 13, was believed to have died... Oh, wait a minute. That's not the right one as well. Where is it? I think it might have been Daily Mail. Anyway, Boy 13, there it is. Boy 13 becomes youngest in UK to die from COVID-19. And then it was the year before, I'm pretty sure. Connor Wilmot again, uh, 13, died from taking part in a a challenge, like an internet challenge. And then prior to that, (laughs) his name was Isaiah Gonzalez. And prior to that, in 2017... Uh, from the Irish Times, something. Uh, his name was Connor Wilmot there as well. Found something on the internet that went wrong, and you know, there's he's died three times anyway. So I've shared that as well. It's got all the headlines there. Um, and one of our followers, I think Tracy, her name is, she she said uh, shared an image of him as well, and it was out of a, the Daily Mail. No, it was another UK based internet website, um, news website. And anyway, basically showing that um, they had this same boy's face showing that he died. And then within, I think, hours, 
they must have gotten absolutely slammed on their social media and whatnot and calling being called fake news and a hoax and all sorts of stuff because after that they left the article up but they changed the picture they removed the picture of the boy and just put up a standard COVID-19 style picture because they were getting slammed by um, social media for, <laughs> for the hoax. Like, I love it. Just, hey. it's, it's so funny. It's just like a stock image of the little boy. Like yeah. it's the same one every time. I mean, they did the same thing from Sandy Hook. You know, there was one of the um, the Posner kid. I think if you look up the, the Posner boy, he died apparently at Sandy Hook and then died, uh, uh, I'm not sure how, what the time frame is, maybe a year or two or whatever later. Um, in some um, earthquake or something in Pakistan. You know, they've got the same picture of him as one of the dead boys, you know, and being held up by some crying woman. It was all, all over the media. I'm like, well, wait a minute. It's the, it's the same kid. Like, yeah. seriously. How yeah. Well, oh. oh, man. All the crisis actors of like Boston bombings and Sandy Hook, like being interviewed, like the parents. Oh, It's yeah. like the same, same couple at both events. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's It's right. like, oh, we're, we're absolutely devastated. <laughs> and what about this one? Have you guys seen the pictures of... Um, they came out from Channel 4 News in um, New York of an emergency unit in New York where the patients are being treated for COVID-19. And they've got... They're showing pictures of, you know, a, a hospital staff member, gloves on, you know, face mask on, eye goggles, got the hair covered, and he's in the, in the scrubs. And he's, you know, doing some sort of medical procedure on... The patient and the patient is a mannequin it's one of the training dummies clear as day you can see it's got the hole in the neck you know where you put in the bag and the hairline is like drawn on and there's even a sign in the background that says yeah no yeah. food or drinks allowed near the mannequins you know what i mean like it says it right there but that's being put up to to scare the public to say oh look look at our health professionals you know putting their lives on the line and treating covid19 patients no they're fucking not the hospitals are empty. There's no one being treated. You know what I mean? Yet they've got to show this sort of stuff to try and convince you that it's all real. And it's without a, without a doubt, hands down, it's not. It is fake. Mm. It's not real, guys. We're being lied to over and over again. So it's all part of a bigger agenda, isn't it, fellas? There's um, a lot more to it than meets the eye. And we might get into a little bit more as the, as the pod goes on. But, um, you know, one thing that I've noticed uh, within the last well, more so recently, probably within the last, between now and the last podcast, um, and you've put up a few articles to say the same thing as well, Ethan, but it's the whole, um, this surveillance issue that's come up out of this as well. Um, more and more, we're seeing articles popping up in the mainstream media talking about new drastic measures that they need to take to enforce social distancing. Isn't that the big fucking buzzword of the, of the decade at the moment now, social distancing? Um, so we've seen, we've seen all that. Andy, you would have seen that stuff in the media. Now it's all about social distancing and enforcing social distancing. 1.5 yeah, meters. General, look, I, I just, I'm just so disappointed in our old, what used to be called our police service, which is now a police force. Like, you know, like as if, as if crushing the economy and taking people's businesses isn't enough that you've got to like financially get out there them. with, yeah. Yeah, you've got to get out there and smash them with, like, the heaviest fines. You know, I thought I thought the $1,000 fine, you know, for the mobile phone thing was, like, pretty heavy. But, like, straight after that, it's, it's like, well, in Victoria, it's $1,600 and something for, you know, for social distance, distancing penalties and $1,300 for social distancing penalties in 
Queensland. Like mm. it's it's like man, it's like heavy, isn't it? Yeah. Like it's just the heavy hand, and it's just the idiocy of it. Like is just before we threw to you, Ethan mentioned your one point five meters. Actually, boys, if you wouldn't mind just stepping back a little bit, I feel like you're too close to me. You're crowding me here, boys. One point five meters. Come on, um, yeah, please, please, Ellis. <laughs> I mean. Um, so we're a bit. We can we transmit through mics? Like, does it spread? <laughs> yeah, Do I'm sure back? it does. I've got a bit of a tickle in my throat. Um, now it's getting sore. Must have come. I'm gonna, yeah. yeah, I'm gonna have to head to health.gov.au to confirm this. As, <laughs> yeah. as recommended. Get all your information. <laughs> yeah, or the, or, or the who.int, wherever it is. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I just wanted to bring up that too, boys, because before I get into the article I put up, is this this the idiocy that we're seeing now in the public and you know daniel and i went to the shops today we had to duck out and grab some stuff and the local butcher which is right next to the local fruit and veg shop where we always get our meat and fruit and veg from and you know we've it was so busy there was cars parked all on the streets and like oh it's busy it's good that's you know it's good to see they're still going well and then we walked we had to park somewhere close by we walked in there and Lo and behold, there's a lineup out the door, and everyone's you know they're they're all spaced 1.5 meters apart. You know they're only amount allowed a certain amount of people in the store. Um, you know, but the thing is though, like you're standing up out. This is the idiocy I want to highlight too. They make you wait outside 1.5 meters apart, but when you go in the store, everyone's shoulder to shoulder. They're walking past each other. There's it makes no difference. You know, you're all in each other's company in your own little bubbles, you know, next to each other and stuff in your personal space, you know, breathing on each other, whatnot, as it was before all this hysteria started. That was just how it was. Now you've got to line up outside, you know, make sure you're spaced out evenly, blah, blah, blah. But again, as soon as you come in the store, you can walk past each other and be in close proximity in it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just stupid. It's hypocritical because it doesn't make any difference. Does do people not see that? You know, and now we're seeing in in the supermarkets you've got to pack your own groceries. Um, now we're seeing also now that they've in, erected these plastic screens, you know, in front of the cashiers. You know what I mean? Like it's literally like maybe sixty centimeters or seventy centimeters wide. This and it's about seventy that maybe the same distance height wise. Like this big plastic screen that sits in front of the cashier doesn't protect them from all the air around it and beside it that can get past them and you know what i mean like it's just stupid it's oh, it, it doesn't seen that. oh mate I, we saw it today that was the first time i'd seen it today. i'd seen it pop up at a few 7-elevens here and there where they've put up some plastic screens and things you know in front of the cashiers and stuff but now it's now they're even putting it in like we saw it at aldi when we walked past and you know there was a big lineup to get into there we went oh fuck it we're not even going to bother we just left there and went back to back to coles and grabbed a couple of things that we needed that they didn't have it there um, the other places anyway um, but yeah well, that's that's the next thing we just gradually keep seeing these things and now you, you, they've even closed one of the entrances to the store you've only got to go in through like this this channel where they've got everyone coming in and out at the same point because they want to count how many are going in and out oh, it's just ridiculous boys so that all leads into so I want to just bring into this piece I put up today folks so please head over to realnewsaustralia.com listeners um, this one went up today uh, April 11th called Track and Trace and this is part of a, a series which I've, which I've done and there are links to the other Track and Trace articles within this one but I'll just read this one out one um, for the listeners so you can have a uh, understand what I'm actually on about here so this one's called Track and Trace COVID-19 used as catalyst for draconian spying measures what the hell does that mean, you reckon? All right, here we go. 
The willing acceptance by the public to allow big tech to spy on you and divulge your location data to government agencies, health authorities, and police agencies around the world is a continuation of the track and trace agenda. As the weeks go by, in the age of virus hysteria, we begin to see more and more ridiculous control measures taking place under the guise of stopping the spread and flattening the curve. We've all heard that in the media, boys. Uh, each time I venture out into the public to grab the weekly necessities, I notice more and more social engineering tactics being deployed. From staff members making the public line up outside the grocery store and counting the ins and outs of customers, to plastic shields being erected at the checkouts, or X's marking the spot on the ground where I'm supposed to stand, to staff members not allowing customers into pharmacies without the mandatory squirt of hand sanitizer. The hypocrisy and stupidity of it is of it all is mind-numbing. We're being made to feel like we're all patient zero, carriers of some deadly pathogen that's responsible for the deaths of thousands worldwide. With the almost weekly advent of more and more control measures being implemented, it's getting to the point where the public at large acquiesces to the demands of the health authorities and complies without question because they're trained to believe it's for the greater good of the public. In the days to come, more measures are going to be introduced, more control, tighter restrictions, and now willing acceptance of surveillance of those thought to be to have a positive diagnosis of COVID-19 or whom have been in close proximity to someone with a positive diagnosis and therefore said to be possibly asymptomatic. But it doesn't stop there. Surveillance measures are now being used to enforce the abhorrent social distancing rules applied to us. Western Australian police will begin using drones to spy on the public to spot any potential free thinkers whom disobey Big Brother. As described in a piece via tottnews.com. Hey, that's a good website. Maybe go and join up. Um, <laughs> a team at... This is a quote from Ethan's site in his article. A team at the University of South Australia is currently designing a pandemic drone to detect virus symptoms such as fever and coughing from a distance. Valuable as that is now, this tool could easily be used to intrusively manage the public's health after the crisis is over. Abso-fucking-lutely. But it doesn't stop there. Drones aren't the only issue with these new track and trace measures. Information siphoned from your phone's location data is now being handed over to the authorities. More draconian measures being used to enforce social distancing includes what's deemed smart tracking, which can identify the movement of the public using metadata from your mobile phone, which, of course, we have been acclimated to take with us everywhere. And there's another link to one of Ethan's articles there as well. Telecommunications companies are willingly handing over your location data to authorities and are being told this will allow them to help clamp down on those disobeying social distancing rules. And there's included some links to the other track and trace articles on friday april 10th 2020 two tech giants apple and google in what's being deemed a rare cooperation have partnered to help trace the spread of coronavirus two companies usually fierce rivals said they would work together in the coming weeks to build new tools that would enable public uh, sorry, enable people and health authorities to track the virus using bluetooth proximity data from their smartphones most are uh, the most frightening of the tools is to build a tracing system right into the operating systems of the iOS and Android platforms on our smartphones. These would most likely come out in a couple of months hidden away in an innocuous system update. Oh, I've got a typo there. Um, the way uh, it's supposed to aid in 
stopping the spread of this deadly coronavirus is that apps on your phone would log Bluetooth signals received by other nearby devices. If someone came in contact with came in contact with you, then test oh, another typo. Sorry, guys, I put this up in a bit of a rush. I'll fix those later. Um, someone came in contact with you, then test positive for a coronavirus, you would then get a notification from a health authority advising you of exposure and demanding self-isolation. This, of course, means that anyone who tests positive is having all of their location data immediately shared from your service provider to the authorities. Talk about Big Brother. So what's next? Perhaps you decide to simply leave your phone at home and to avoid these draconian track and trace measures. It seems that in the not-too-distant future, this might not matter. Elon Musk plans to have your brain directly hooked up to computers and the addition of his 46,000 5G satellites which will be circling the globe 24-7 will allow the connectivity of these brain devices. Here's a quote from a source as well. Musk founded Neuralink Corp. in 2016 to create ultra-high bandwidth brain-machine interfaces to connect humans and computers. The company said in 2017 that its initial goal was to devise brain interfaces to alleviate the symptoms of chronic medical conditions. <laughs> COVID-19, maybe? Musk also went on to say that he will require finding a way for the brain to merge with AI, most likely through tiny wireless chips implanted in the brain through a 2mm incision to create what he called some sort of symbiosis with artificial intelligence, with a goal of no less than securing humanity's future as a civilization relative to AI. Will the public soon acquiesce to receive these draconian surveillance measures? Or will it take another pandemic hoax before it's deemed a necessary action? And that's the end of the article. So um, go through and share that one with your friends, guys. But I want just, um, Ethan, I'll just throw to you first of all, mate. What do you reckon of that, man? Have you, um, you're following along with this? And I have linked to your pieces in that. So I wanted to throw to you first of all. Um, yeah, what's your thoughts on that piece I put up today, man? Yeah, thanks, General. And I... I appreciate you linking uh, to to my articles and, and the reblogs, obviously, um, of my pieces on my website. As as we always say, it's it's great to have this sort of network together that we can get this information out. But sure. I must say, general, I I think this is a great article. The track and trace series is probably my favourite series you've done on your website. You know, it's it's it it really. As you've mentioned, there's another two there. It really just paints the picture of this incremental increase towards this technocratic surveillance state that we're seeing emerge now with the COVID-19 narrative. You know, the first one was the implement implementation of digital biometrics, which we've obviously talked about extensively over the last few years, um, and then full-spectrum surveillance via social media, all these anti-encryption legislations that were passed, all of these things, Facebook messages wanting to be exposed. And now, as as you've detailed here, it, it really is just going to that next level. You know, we've detailed surveillance drones. You've detailed just this social engineering nightmare that you see just trying to go to the shops, mate, just trying to line up and get in there and just get a few things and how hostile people get and just seeing the social effects of it mm. and how that's being used to to do it you know it's it's crazy the the craziest thing to me is seeing all of these laws mate that we've talked about for years sort of be put into play and be enacted yeah obviously being used yeah yeah like obviously we've we've spoken about the biosecurity 
law, the um, the forced vaccine and quarantine one that we spoke about in 2015. Mm-hmm. But not just that, all of these other ones, the metadata laws that we've been talking about for years, now they're handing over your phone data to the authorities to track your clusters, to track if you're away from your place of res- residence or where you normally are based on your tracker for a long period of time, they're going to get suspicious and they're going to send you messages. This is full Orwellian uh, censorship to to another level and I'm glad that at least you know Sydney criminal lawyers all of these civil liberty groups I think there's over 200 now that have signed petitions talking about how all of these draconian measures really need to be drawn back you know if we are really a free and open society and not under a dictatorship you shouldn't need all of these means and measures you know you should have a society you should have trust in the leaders that everyone follows the rules and that you don't have to do all of these, you know, this spying tactic. So it makes you ask the, the the bigger question, you know, what's really going on here? And as you've detailed perfectly here, mate, it's it's all about control. It's all about surveillance. And, and I like that you, you closed the piece there with Neuralink and Elon Musk because this is where it's going. And, you know, I've, I've, you know, yourself, Andy, my members of my website and the free subscribers, they've sort of come along on a journey on the last 15 months of what I've described as this transition to the brave new world order, this transhumanist tech era that's coming where, you know, they want us to merge with machines, 5G is going to power all of these mechanisms. This is the stepping stone to that, this this tech you know, this this overwhelming tech invasion of our life through smart technologies, through through all of these things, it's it's the first step towards it, you know, and I'm going to detail it in a video in the future. But for anyone out there that hasn't read Aldous Huxley's Brave New World, just go have a read of it. Just go look up the plot line of that video and then go look up who Aldous Huxley was and, and what his family did. And, and start to understand that this has been a plan in motion for, for a number of years and incrementally it has been eroding away at our civil liberties and our right to privacies in vision of this new technocratic utopia that they've described for, for years. So I like that you put that at the end there, General, because it's not just about them spying on us and all our rights taken away. This isn't just going to end when the so-called virus ends. This is going to stay in place and it's yeah. only going to grow from there, mate. Yeah, it's following a narrative. It's following that path, isn't it? Because, I mean, yes, Elon talked about that. And I think I mentioned, you know, like since 2016, he had a company. And then in 2017, said that they, they had their goals. So these things have been around for a couple of years. But, I mean, just because that happened a couple of years ago, it doesn't mean that this is then not on track for now. This is on track for now. You know what I mean? This It may be a few years down the track yet that this sort of thing happens. But that's the path it's taking. Um, it is part of that whole technocratic agenda. And Elon Musk is a technocrat and he has direct links to technocracy through his family lineage as well. I mean, that's also been exposed. I think it might have been uh, either his grandfather or something like that. He, he has a, literally a direct link to a, to technocracy in the in the Technocracy Inc. Um, uh, group that was started in the in the early, 19, uh, early 20th century. So, you know, he's got those links. He's part of that, that guild, basically. It's in his blood. You know, that's, he's been brought up to, to believe that that's, you know, that in a technocracy and that's where we're headed. And because he's, look at all these things that he's done in place. It's all pushing, pushing that direction. You know, like I said, he's launching all these big satellites. You know, 46,000 satellites he's been granted permission to have circling the globe. 
um, to provide, you know, full internet 5G coverage and things like that for everyone. Um, that's, that's, that's one of the stated goals, but of course it's going to be used for a lot more than that. That's all about track and trace. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and how ironic mate, that just as all of this breaks out is the exact same year that Elon Musk announced that they were going to start doing human experiments with this, mm. you know, mid this year is when they said that Neuralink are going to start drilling into paralyzed patient skulls and doing the first trials of the microchips to see if they can, you know, regain movement, not necessarily in their their nerves and everything yet. They're not at that type of stage, but just in terms of their smartphones and their control, maybe these people with a chip in their head, just because, you know, they're paralyzed, they'll still be able to get online and, and, and be a part of this tech world. So this is how they're, they're pushing it in. And it mm. just seems very ironic that it, it happens in 2020, the year that all this pops off, mate. Well, it's, it's, yeah, it is interesting, isn't it? But it's literally one step away from like what we saw in the movie, The Matrix, where you're just shoving the big spike in the back of your head and you're in the Matrix, you know what I mean? Like, it's, yep. we're not too far away from that, really. Uh, Andy, I might just throw it to you, mate. So I, I know you read the um, the article before, but I went over it, of course, then for the listeners. But um, yeah, I just want to hear your, your take on, on that sort of surveillance side of these things. And um, yeah, just give me, the, give me your rundown on it, mate. What do you feel about all that sort of stuff? Yeah, Ethan's, Ethan's um, said it very, very well, and I concur with everything that he said. But, you know, like, and it's just, to me, to me, it's like a big plan. And, you know, like, the three of us have been saying this for, like, about six weeks now. So this is just part of the, part of the business plan with the whole thing. And separating us all, separating our friends and family of course it makes us very weak and vulnerable, doesn't it? You know, like we're, we're, we're stronger as a group, you know. Um, and, and how convenient is it that all of these laws have come out that, that are now law, that we must stay apart from all of our like-minded groups, you know. Like That's it's it. just, to me, I just see it as, the most obvious business plan is just so ridiculously, you know, obvious to me. And and getting on, you know, your comments about Elon Musk, I'm certain that this, you know, playboy dude, like good-looking, like you know, youngish kind of guy, is just he, he's just a front guy for the cabal, same as Zuckerberg as well. These people aren't highly intelligent business people. They're just representing something bigger. You know, all of these billions of dollars and stuff that at this man's fingertips is ridiculous. Yeah, I think they, they get used ridiculous. as tools, don't they? They're literally a tool of, of course the, they or a pawn do. as well as the from the people that are actually pulling the strings. Yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah. Absolutely. Look, don't you I mean he he gets to live a very comfortable, a very, very cool life you know but like i tell you what he's not making the decisions he's not the one that's like guiding these massive companies in the certain directions everything is for a reason that the cabal will be pulling the strings for zuckerberg and and um musk are just just the front guys you know it's like scott morrison like you really think scott morrison is in charge of 
politics in Australia? Of course not. There's guys behind him telling him what to do. You know, it's mm, yeah. it's incredible. It's incredibly obvious. Um, yeah, it goes it goes into like my notes as as Ethan was talking. It goes sedgeways into depopulation. Um, I see massive mental health issues coming out of all of this. Um, like Ethan already mentioned, social engineering uh, on, on a massive scale, uh, and the fear. This whole thing is about a rollout of fear. Yeah, you know, there's there's only two emotions with humans. There's there's a love emotion which has lots of offshoots, and then there's fear, hate emotion, and it's propagating the negative, the lower vibrations, the lower the lower fear based type emotions within humans. And again, general, it's like as obvious as the hand in front of my face. Like so, so yeah. It's it, it's just a plan. It's a business plan. Yeah, and I was just about to say that I like what you said. You and you brought it back to that. It's a business plan. You know what I mean? Because that's what we're sort of seeing. We're we're definitely seeing that element of this all coming to fruition as well. Um, and you know, you mentioned that it's um this sort of eugenical depopulation agenda tied into it as well too. And that exactly brings me right into um, the piece that Ethan put up the other day, which I was going to get you to go through, Ethan. Um, you, know, you published that on uh, April 9th. So if you wouldn't mind, man, take us through this one and feel free to be as in-depth as you want to because this is really important. There's a lot of key information in this because we've been seeing this person rear their ugly head via social media and even on mainstream media news sources you know they all seem to be uh falling back on the the gospel word of um of the um you know the eminence mr bill gates of course (laughs) (laughs) yes thanks general and yeah i did uh for everyone out there put this up on tottnews.com i've been trying to you know get as much information out as i can just in regards to this um you know obviously we put a emf and 5g article out just to talk about some of the concerns there all of the tracking and the drones and whatnot but one of the pieces i really wanted to get out and just because as you said general it's 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 this whole world is now sort of lapdogging to to the holy word of bill gates in relation to this and and, and he has come out and said you know, there's not going to be any mass gatherings probably ever again, and we're not going to, you know, we're not going to reduce the restrictions until people get a vaccine. So there's been a lot of, you know, coverage of Bill Gates and what he's saying and and this campaign to, you know, develop a vaccine. He's spending billions of dollars with seven factories trying to get this done. And the great saviour Bill Gates is is coming to, to help us. But if you look a little bit closer at his story um you'll find that his his um family and also their foundation they've got documented ties to the reinvented eugenics movements of the modern age and what i detail in this piece is i sort of just give like a a pretty in-depth analysis of what eugenics is and how that relates to his family. So for anyone out there that doesn't know what eugenics is, it was decades of research and scientific establishment and groups that formed at the late 18, uh, the, the end of the 1800s into the, the early 1900s and then were reinvented after World War II. 
it was this group of mainstream scientific establishment that uh, they expressed this notion of controlled breeding. So it, I'm sure everyone out there, you know, knows what eugenics is, this this concept of sterilizing people like mentally ill people, people that didn't pass their, their high school tests, mm-hmm. you know, people that had skulls that were a bit enlonged and, you know, body shapes that weren't right. There was this mainstream scientific viewpoint at the time in the world that by breeding out these intolerables, we'll be able to, you know, create a better species going forward. It was this... You know, it seemed like a noble cause, but it was really just this front by a whole bunch of uh, mega maniacs that have taken control of the world through this ongoing dehumanization process, which I've detailed on my website. So humans are dehumanized. We don't have a framework to the world. And then, you know, people, instead of believing that there's something bigger than them, they start believing that them themselves are the gods. And this is what led to all of these families and whatnot, just capitalizing on humanity, what I call the polyergus. And when you look, eugenics was mainstream science. So I I give, you know, details there for those who have been on TOTT News. You know, we've detailed the history of eugenics in Australia from Richard Berry to the eugenics societies of New South Wales and Victoria you know, they were instrumental in, in passing laws in our parliaments in the 30s, talking about sterilizing people with, you know, mental conditions and whatnot. This was real. But after World War Two, when Hitler, you know, this, took it too far, these concepts that were, you know, obviously spread across the world, when he took that too far or supposedly took that too far, you know, my, my view is it might have been a little experiment to see how people will react, they reinvented it in the 60s and 70s during this era of counterculture. So eugenics reared its ugly head back again in the 50s Mm. and it was reinvented by, would you know it, Julian Huxley, the brother of Aldous Huxley, the writer of Brave New World. So Julian Huxley was instrumental in transforming eugenics from this open policy of let's sterilize everyone and we can do controlled breeding of the population, it it changed to this new age, socially progressive version. And the Rockefeller Foundation heavily financed this movement, the Tavistock Institute, all of these, uh, you know, groups and, and, and institutes were developed to really, you know, get these new concepts out. And what Huxley said was these reformist ideologies were would take the form of birth control, the decriminalization of homosexuality. He also said abortion laws. These were all the eugenics movement just carried on in modern forms. And he called this eugenic modernization. So I give people... Um, just a, a, a history of eugenics there. And before I carry on, boys, just to, you know, the, the Gates connection, just so I'm not rambling on here for, for a long time, right. I'll throw to you first, guys, just in regards to eugenics. What are your thoughts, mate, um, just on eugenics and, and this whole concept of control breeding? Have you, General, obviously you're familiar with it, but what are your thoughts on, on, on this movement and obviously this reinvention into the the social movements of, of the new age, mate. Yeah, it's it's like they're um, 
sort of trying to make it popular again. You know what I mean? We've had, you know, Bill Gates on those TED talks talking about you know, re- reducing the world's population using vaccines and stuff. You know, that's that's eugenical talk right there. Um, you know, it, and it's still tied into the whole technocratic movement as well because you know these technocrats you know they wanted to stamp out the the feeble-minded people uh, of the world back in the day it was all you know if you were even if you were an alcoholic you were feeble-minded if you studied you were feeble-minded and you know they had to control breeding through all of these sort of things as well and they were um you know basically de-sexing people for for being feeble-minded so they couldn't breed and trying to stamp out that that particular class you know what i mean so but now mm. it seems they're trying to try to it seems to be trying to become popular again you know the the language yeah. is slightly changed and all that sort of stuff but the big players are still in the limelight of course bill gates being one of them you know, yeah definitely yeah, no. definitely trying to raise the the um the caliber and the popularity again it feels yeah, absolutely, mate. I couldn't have said it better myself. It's it's this reinvention process. You know, we see it a, lo- a lot of times with big pharma and a lot of topics that we talk about. And an issue will go away, but or a law will go away, and it just becomes reinvented in new terms and new language with the same agenda behind it. And this is what we saw with the eugenics movement. And why this is important is because Bill Gates' father, Bill Gates Senior. He and, and Bill Gates has said this in a number of interviews. He 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 says, if I could be half the man that this person was, and you know, and and, and all of the influence that he's had on me, he he speaks really highly of his father. And his father was one of the original board of directors members for Planned Parenthood. Yeah. So this is where the connection comes to eugenics because Planned Parenthood, and this is documented. You know, I give, I don't know, it might be fifty hyperlinks in this feature piece that people can go and and look for themselves they can just click the blue links and and go look at the documents for themselves but planned parenthood when you look at the history it was devolved out of the american eugenics society they created some laboratory for birth um, control and this was then reinvented into planned parenthood this this reinvention we're just here to help you with your families we're just here to you know, we're just here to promote women's rights. And so, you know, I give the details there about how they're Rockefeller funded. It was just a continuation on of this, you know, petrochemical pharmaceutical consortium that was trying to sort of re-engineer humanity at the time. And, and this is what birthed Planned Parenthood, this whole popularization of birth control and this really altering of the natural human process it all comes through groups like Planned Parenthood. And I give a, a nice little uh, link there to an article that actually, you know, it actually details this. It says, make no mistake, Planned Parenthood was built on population control schemes. And when you look at the history, it says that they were founded on the concept that most humans are just reckless breeders. That's their own words. Mm. So this is Planned Parenthood, and Bill Gates Sr. was one of the founding directors of this group. Yeah, it's so in, the, it's in, in the, the family. It's all part of that. It's in the family bloodline. They're all. They all. Exactly. They don't sway from that that mantra, do they? They're raised None. in that. They're raised in that mindset, and they stay in that mindset. Yeah, absolutely, and it and it's key, mate. It's it's and and they they're proud to to admit this. It's not mm. just some conspiracy theory. It's Bill Gates admits this in interviews. 
So that's the link there between eugenics and and this this notion and Planned Parenthood. But where it gets a little bit more interesting was a lot of people think that Bill and Melinda were the first instruments to start their foundation, but they weren't. What happened was Bill Gates Sr. just took the concepts that he learnt at Planned Parenthood and he actually made the William Gates Foundation in 1994. So this was the precursor to the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, which would form in 2000. So the original Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, this noble group all across the world, was started by Bill Gates Sr., who was in a modern eugenics organization. And you can even see the parallels because their first endeavors as the William Gates Foundation was to continue this popularization of birth control throughout the world, which, don't get me wrong, there's certain instances and whatnot where this type of of technology and stuff can be useful. But the problem is, is with abortions, with birth control, with all of these things, you know, it, it's promoted so much. It's it's popularized so much that it, it, it's become a social thing now. It's not just for emergencies when you really need it. It's become a popularized thing. There's all these statistics out there saying that people just do it. You know, it's 85% in some areas in the United States where people aren't coming in for real medical emergencies. They just, oh, sorry, I got knocked up again. Can you get rid of this baby? It's mm-hmm. it's dehumanizing and, and re-engineering people under the guise of philanthropy. And this is what this organization was all about. So obviously, Bill and Melinda Gates took that over and this, the rest is history. But the, what made them different from Planned Parenthood is they made intricate connections with the World Health Organization and UNICEF, which Julian Huxley was one of the first directors of UNICEF. This, so here's all the connections tying together here. And as we know, fellas, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, 500,000 shares in Monsanto. You know, they've mm. they've got, you know, um, all of these family planning initiatives that they've invested hundreds of millions of dollars into. They've got, um, obviously, Melinda is, is a very big advocate for women's rights, but she claims to be a Catholic but promotes all of these you know, uh, birth control pills mm. everywhere, mm. and all all of the vaccines and everything through Africa. So, you know, before we get on to Bill Gates and, and, and why this is important with COVID nineteen, Andy, I'll throw over to you, mate. Do you see the connections that I'm trying to make here between this reinvented modern eugenics movement and how the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation have just taken these concepts and they've just taken them to another level, mate? Do you see? that connection at all well absolutely and i'll put uh, my comment before about zuckerberg and and musk i'm gonna throw gates in there as well because gates doesn't surprise me as a really intelligent guy okay he's learned to how to speak in front of an audience over the last few decades but he doesn't seem real bright to me and I'll tell you something, like Microsoft, what a shit company. Has always, <laughs> always has been. You know, we come out we come out with Windows ninety five A fail, then we quickly bring out Windows ninety five B. It kind of went through there, threw that in the bin. Windows ninety eight A complete disaster. Windows ninety eight B fail. Vista. Vista was terrible. We came out with Windows ME, which was like code name mistake edition. <laughs> 
Um, we came up with Windows 2000, which was kind of all right, but then very quickly replaced with Windows XP, which is absolute shit to start off with. Completely crashed all over the place. Gave me such a headache for about six months. We came out with Windows XP Second Edition, which was like all right for a while. Then we come up with like Windows Seven, like it just goes on and on. And we've we've got Windows Ten now at the moment, and the and it's actually not a bad platform, but it's complete. You've completely signed all of your data rights across to mm. Microsoft to actually be able to use it, and we've covered that in previous shows. So that's Microsoft in about a sixty-second wrap-up for you. What a what a pig of a company! What a pig <laughs> of a man! And I'll tell you something too, Gates. Gates is nothing but a bloody well blood drinking Satanist, and everything that you've said there is underlying all of that. He's a child sacrificing prick, as far as I'm concerned. His most like monstrous piece of dirt anyone could ever like drag out of a cemetery. Yeah, well said. <laughs> Wow. See, um, I, do, I don't know, know how to follow that, Andy. Words. <laughs> and, and, like, eugenics agenda, yeah, I mean, that's eugenics agenda is, like, a nice, is something for the public to, like, like look at and, and, like, dissect. But underneath that, you've got Pizzagate, you've got, like, Satanists, you've got Illuminati, you've got all of the players running around all supporting all of these like companies and businesses up up at uh, at the public level, unlimited money, unlimited funds, do whatever you like with vaccines, rubbing and rubbing shoulders with like, the likes of Epstein oh, as well and pedophiles, yeah. everything, everything. Anyway, that's my two minute rant, boys. Just before you go on, Ethan, <laughs> it reminds me of a of a meme I shared the other day, and Andy, you'll love us. You probably saw it as well. Bill Gates couldn't even save Windows from viruses. Dude needs to sit the fuck down. <laughs> you know, I thought that was gold. I love it. That's gold. So, and so it's true. so true. We've been yeah. honestly, we, you know, we've been battling with with Windows like since the early nineties with so many headaches. Why? Why it became like the you know the platform for all of the computers in the world for the, like the last two decades is is beyond most people when yeah. like Linux platforms and stuff like that were always so much better. But, you know, like the head in hand, once again, it, it, mm. it puts this man and these companies up, up, on, up on the top of the pedestal there. Yeah. So I think that was helped, helped um, into that position via, you know, the NSA, CIA, you know, the intelligence apparatus because they wanted all the back doors, they wanted all the ways into all these programs and everything else to, to be able to spy and read and look and listen to everything that they're doing. And, you know, if every computer in the world or, you know, 90% of the computer in the world was a Windows one, then, Jesus, open slather for intelligence gathering, wasn't it? Well, that's right. I mean, that's that's back in the days where they sort of had some sort of, you know, they kept it a little bit quiet. Windows 10, man, oh, it's just open. It's, yeah. All the bets are off. It's just like we're openly telling you now, look, you can use this crap program, but like, you know, everything, every single thing that you do on it, we're just, we're, yeah, we're it just monitoring. Yeah, goes back to us. Yeah, we, we monitor everything. It goes everything. back to us yeah. anyway. You've signed your data rights over to us. So, uh, you know, and now here's this man, this, this, this company, this front for this company there that wants to launch the saving vaccine for the world. I mean, give me a break. Mm. We're in big trouble. We're in such big trouble. 
you know? Yeah, no, that's 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 really well put, Andy, and, and, and you're right, mate. I think it's a great link there between Microsoft because, you know, not only was the mismanagement and how terrible it was, it was just festered and, and pushed through by this, um, you know, military-industrial complex that wanted to do everything, but Microsoft also gave birth to this modern sort of tech world. You know, we know that Google was a big hand in Microsoft's success, you know, like just and and how powerful they've become, you know, mapping the world, changing our language. People say Google it instead of research it. You know, you've got Google tracking you. They listen to everything that you do. All of these things sort of birthed through Microsoft in this computer revolution that he was sort of the face of. So we've got evidence of what happens during a massive explosion of you know, profitable materials and and Bill Gates being used as this figure. Why do people think that vaccines are going to be any different? And one thing that was the red flag to me, and this is why I went through it in the article, was Bill Gates, he has a really sophisticated um, vaccine approach now because he has said that vaccines, like this is going to be the, the era of the flus now. It's not computers and tech that have the money anymore. It's going to be flus and vaccines because... Mm viruses are coming out now so when you think of someone that has you know a, a estimated net worth of 90 billion dollars saying that the real money is going to be in vaccines and stepping down from microsoft you know the company that he founded to to endeavor on this it really makes you ask some questions and you know i, I detail in this piece he was an early investing partner in the Global Alliance for Vaccine and Immunisation, Gavi, which has now obviously grown to have a real large portfolio of private and public international health partnerships. Mm-hmm. They're, and, t- they're you know, tied into the ID 2020 as well, the Gavi mob. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Which I mentioned they're, the last one. Yeah, so they're, they're one of the groups coming with this ID 2020 that we were spoke, speaking about. And, you know, some of the things that he's doing, he's doing adaptive trial designs, he's doing the streamlining of new schedules and doses of vaccines. He's been doing novel delivery formats for vaccines. He's been involved in modular automated manufacturing platforms to get small batch vaccines out and cheaper ways. You know, you can go to Chemist Warehouse now and just stick it in your arm there for 12 bucks or whatever. It's just, this is all Bill Gates. And as you said, Andy, he's more of a front man. This whole sort of Gates family foundation modern eugenics push has been behind all of this. So when we then tie it to COVID-19, you really need to start to ask the questions about everything that we've been speaking about over the last couple of weeks. His involvement in Event 201, simulating a you know an, an outbreak of a, a global pandemic that mm-hmm. just happened to be named coronavirus. Mm-hmm. Him predicting you know, all of these things that would happen in 2015 and these TED Talks talking about how viral influenzas were going to come. He was setting the stage, and this is the point that I make in the article, Bill Gates set the stage by doing these things early, by positioning himself as a, you know, sort of a prophet of health, you know, going into this modern age. And that's another thing too, talking about our fudge statistics earlier, you know, he, he did all this stuff in Africa talking about how they've solved polio in, in all of these countries when all they did was just change, like they legislated polio into another cause of death. 
So then everyone yeah, they died the name of, of it, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. Acute, everyone acute, died of the acute new something um, flaccid paralysis or something. That's it. Yeah. yeah, that. Yeah, I couldn't remember it exactly, but that. Yeah, that's like they just changed it, and now yeah. he's the big hero of he solved polio. So <laughs> by doing all of this, not only is he making billions off of it, but he's also positioning himself for. From what the evidence sees, an event that he knew was about to take place, an event that he knew he could profit off of. So he's been doing this to position himself as the great hero. Bill Gates has been talking about this for years. We need to listen to what Bill Gates says. And so, sure enough, when all this happens, Bill Gates is on CNN, he's on Reddit, he's he's everywhere. Bill Gates is the person that everyone's getting their advice from. And he's the one developing the vaccines He's the one saying that lockdowns need to stay in place and he's the one that's saying it, they're not going to come back out until there is vaccines and we need to really seriously consider uh, social gatherings that they might not return at all. So when you think of this, when you think of just the almost the, the Orwellian doublespeak nature of this figure, this Bill Gates figure who has been, who has been launched as this proponent of health, and then behind the scenes has a family history of destruction and population control and seeing humans as lesser people. What do you think his agenda is here? So that's the article that I did on TOTTnews.com. Mm. You know, I try to paint that full narrative there. It is a long piece. So, you know, make sure you've got some free time to sit there and read it, check out the links. But I think, mate, when you when you really do the evidence and you really look at the research, even if you believe that Bill Gates is a good guy, you've still got to question his motives, that he's making money and all of this stuff off of it. It just doesn't make sense. And his family really tie in all of that, that element to what he's really up to and what his thoughts really are. And I'm going to be talking about this in, a, in, in the coming weeks, you know, more of his theory behind what he really believes about population control and really get to the, to the root of who is this figure that's coming out and why are we all in lockdown waiting for this vaccine to come out? So yeah, I think we know the answers, boys. It's, yeah. it's a big eugenics continuation. Absolutely. And that's the language we're seeing. Uh, you boys can attest to that, that, you know, we, we mentioned it before that the Queensland state premier, the New South Wales state premier, the you know, federal health minister, that the prime minister himself, they're all saying that we need, uh, coronavirus vaccine before the lockdown can be lifted. You know what I mean? So, of course, they'll be having Bill Gates deliver that to us. You know, so that's 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 part of the plan. But what I wanted to to mention just with regards to the article, and yeah, it's such a good piece. Um, yeah, kudos to you, man. Really, really well. And that's that. This is this is the type of piece that we're gonna in years to come. We'll fall back on this. You know what I mean? It's one of those ones where you you go back and go. Remember that one I did about Bill Gates, and we talked about this. This is one of those pieces. This is one of those memorable ones that we keep for those future yeah. things. So it's really good. Really want everyone out there who listens to this. You've got to read it. It'll be in the show notes for this um, podcast. But grab a cup of coffee, like you said. Sit down, get comfy, and have a good read of this because um, there's not only is the piece. To read but there's all the links in there as well so you can also cross check everything he said in there as well um well what i wanted to to mention ethan is that you know we, we've seen this time and time again throughout history and bill gates is another big key example because he's doing it as well and that is via philanthropy so it's not bill gates it's you know the bill gates or bill and melinda gates foundation that is behind mm -hmm. all of this they are 
you know, patent holders of coronaviruses. They are uh, investors. They, they own like something like 15% of the World Health Organization or 15% of their funding comes from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Um, mm. They fund and own businesses and, and, and um, things all around the world, you know what I mean? And it all comes back to philanthropy. And philanthropy isn't used to benefit the, the needy. Philanthropy is a tool of social engineering. Okay, that's uh, philanthropy on a, on a small scale. You know, maybe your neighbor donates something to someone else, or uh, you know, the local restaurant you know donates a couple of hundred bucks to a local charity. That's that's true philanthropy. But philanthropy on this global big player scale is literally a tool of social engineering, and we're seeing that play out right now in front of our very eyes. And the Bill and, Mel- Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation is a key player in that. Just like in the past when the Rockefeller Foundation was a key player in altering the medical system as we know it, away from um, homeopathic-style medicine, uh, medicine to allopathic-style you know, pharmaceutical, petrochemical um, company-produced medicines, you know, they use philanthropy to do that. Mm. Same with all the big players. Um, they've all got their big foundations, and um, I can attest to this um, because when I used to work um, at the football club in my role in, in marketing and promotions, the football club was advised by none other, none other than former Lord Mayor Jim Sawley. Um, he advised the club and he said, you need to develop a, you know, a, a philanthropic part of your club, like a charity sort of side of, of your club or a foundation. So that's what we did. We created a foundation and we then give to the local community, to little organizations. And, you know, we might buy the local church a bus or we put, you know, the local Girl Scouts will get some new floor in their cub house or whatever you call it. You know what I mean? Like, and then you would then use that and you would then write up an article and you would deliver that article to local media or to even national media and so forth. And then you get seen by the wider community. Oh, look at all the money and look at all the good they're doing in the community. And lo and behold, it's literally there just to make us look good. We, you know, the, the club, they, all it was was a photo opportunity. It was a, was a way just to, to get people in the door to make us look good. That's all it was used for. That the board and the club and the general manager couldn't have given a shit about the local stuff. They only did it because it was a good idea by, you know, um, and he went. George Jim, sorry, Jim Sawley was went into lobbying after he was a um, Lord Mayor as well too. So he's basically a lobbyist. So he then goes in and does things on behalf of corporations and puts in the good word for people. So he sort of did that on behalf of us, and, and that was the advice he gave was to create a foundation and donate money to local needy people or organizations and stuff and it was all about social again that was social engineering on a much smaller scale but that's what it was about and that's that's literally what it's being used on a global scale right now so i just wanted to to tie that in as well yeah absolutely general and 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 philanthropy you know i've i've put that as sort of the subheading of this this piece it's population control masked as philanthropy Mm -hmm. you know this is what they do charities we all know it you know look at what happened with the bushfires look what happened with everything charities are just a big scam they they paid you know they 
I, I've seen non-for-profit charities that gross, you know, $100 million a year in this country, you know, <laughs> that through employment services and all this type of stuff, you know, it's it's all this big scam. It's all this thing where they get grants and, you know, they, they, they get funds from charities and they pull at the heartstrings of people through lotteries and ticket sales. And then, you know, most of the money does not go back into funding the programs. There are a couple of good non-for-profit organizations around. Um, but other than that, most of them uh, are out, obviously, just as a business model to keep going. And when you talk about the sheer scale that Bill Gates is on, one of the biggest foundations in the world, he sort of pioneered this sort of billionaire push with um, you know Warren Buffett investing in all of the, the foundation as well to make money off of it. You know, that should have been the flag right there, who they call the greatest investor of all time throwing money into the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, he would have knew that there was money to come off of this. Mm -hmm. But I thought philanthropy is not ma about making money. I thought it's about helping people. Ah, that's when you make the connections and realize that all of this is just a front for profit and, and for exposure. And as I've said, it's positioned him in the right position. And again, he's just a figure, but it's positioned him and his foundation in the right position with his World Health Organization funding to be able to manipulate that to, to be able to carry out uh, this agenda. So this is what we're seeing going on. I don't believe that's the, the be-all and end-all. A lot of people say, well, we'll just get the vaccine and things will go back to normal. I think that, no, I think that this is, this is a real big shift into a brave new world model. But Bill Gates, right for the moment, this is a, this is a huge part of it. And I think that we really should be focusing on these people, who they are, and, and, and what they really are thinking. Mm -hmm. If you don't know what eugenics is, go look it up. If you don't know Brave New World, Huxley, all of these people, you know, t Thomas um, Thomas Huxley, their father was Darwin's. You know, he was a he was a member of Darwin's clan, and he was he was promoting it to everyone. This is this goes right back to the theories of evolution. These people are in this elitist group who believe that there's subhumans out there and they need to control them. Now, whether they believe that's good or wrong, you know, that's that's not up to debate, but I think it really needs to be um, analysed and, and I think that people out there who are trusting these figures, they simply haven't done the research, General. Yeah. Maiden, I wanted to tie in too. Have you boys heard of um, these pandemic bonds? Have you heard of this? Ethan? No. And, and no. You know, bonds you ever, as, you in as in money bonds. Yeah, yeah. As in cash bonds. Yeah. No, you haven't heard of this? Uh, okay, so... Um, the, back in, I think it was... Let me just bring up the article here. Because um, I heard about this a little while ago. It was shared and stuff, right? But I didn't really know too much about it. But I've just been sort of looking into it now because you were sort of talking about all the money and everything else going in, into these things, right? So I'll just read this bit of this for you so you can get the... The gist of it. In 2017, the World Bank designed a new way to raise money. Pandemic emergency financing bonds. Over $425 million worth of such bonds, which bet against a global outbreak of infectious diseases. And it will default if the World Health Organization declares the coronavirus a pandemic. They were sold by the World Bank in its first ever issuance of catastrophe bonds in the event of no pandemic. Investors would be paid a healthy annualized return. Meanwhile, the World Bank could use the bonds to insure itself against the risk of a global outbreak. So this is what they've done. So three years ago, they 
sold all these bonds to investors, right? And there was two levels of them. Some with a return of like, I don't know, around 9 or 8%, and then some with a return of something like 12 to 14% or something. Uh, actually, here it is here, sorry. The bonds were administered in two tranches, with A-class bond investors receiving a return of 6.9% annually, and B-class bond investors receiving... 11.5% uh, annually. The World Bank raised 225 million in the first one and 95 in the second lot. All right, so now what happened is they had until July this year, July 2020, right, for those bonds to basically mature. Um, and all the investors would, would get a good good profit if there was no pandemic declared before July, uh, June or July 2020, something like that. But lo and behold, outbreak of coronavirus and the World Health Organization quickly declared that the pandemic, therefore nullifying the payout and they would, you know, basically got to keep all that, all the investors' money and didn't have to give them any returns on that investment. And so all the investors are obviously blowing up about this because, um, you know, they wanted their money basically. Um, but I just saw today there was an article by Bloomberg put up well, 21 hours ago says, deadly virus fails to trigger World Bank's pandemic bonds. The outbreak of coronavirus failed to trigger payouts from bonds that the World Bank issued to provide emergency pandemic resources, even after almost 100,000 global deaths, blah, 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 whatever. Um, the highly contagious coronavirus outbreak, deemed a pandemic a month ago by the World Health Organization and the cause of a global economic uh, downturn, is not enough to trigger payouts from the World Bank's pandemic bonds an independent arbiter has decided on Thursday. AIR Worldwide Corporation published its so-called eligible event report, determining that the outbreak hadn't met the exponential growth rate criterion in, in eligible countries, the World Bank said in a statement dated April 9. The determinations are final and binding on the World Bank and the investors. A World Bank spokesperson was not immediately available for comments. Um, and it goes on to talk about a bit more there. And they're going to review, oh, yeah. so the AIR is continually reviewing the situation and will issue its next report on April 17th. So I guess, boys, if we see a big upturn in this coronavirus pandemic and all the outbreak and all of the, um, what they determined, exponential growth, if it obviously peaks again or it goes up, then maybe they'll change and the, and the report, get, which gets issued next week, um, might show a different result. So we've got this week, I guess, to keep an eye on it. But isn't that interesting, boys? Hey, there you go. Three years ago, pandemic bonds or uh, you know catastrophe bonds and all to do with... It's amazing. Yeah. How's that, eh? I'll, I'll put that in the show notes as well. Um, so there's something to look at as well there, Ethan. So that could be just like a massive multi-billion dollar like con job, really, mm. like a Ponzi scheme. Yeah, and like I said... Um, you know, you've got that's the World Bank that did that. Obviously, the World Bank is backed by, you know, there's um, I'm not sure if it's the Rothschild or Rockefellers, but they're all tied into the World Bank and you know, all that yeah. sort of stuff as well. So they're all making money out of it, but uh, you know, they don't want to have to do the payout. They want to keep all that money. But isn't that interesting, eh? There you go. Not many mm. people know about these pandemic bonds and all the money involved, eh? Interesting. There stuff. you go. Wow. Well, it's just like 9/11, hey? Just everyone, while they're getting their agenda out, cashing in on it. Yeah, that's you right. Know, sell off all oh, your stocks, buy money. up everything. Yeah. Yeah, and we've seen that too. We've seen all the, you know, the, the U.S. Um, government reps um, cashing out of all the businesses that they thought that they knew were going to go bust with regards to the lockdowns, and they cashed out before it all happened. Mm. Um, you know what I mean? These people 
should be fucking held accountable for all that sort of stuff. But hey, it's Never just, just all part of doing business in the system, isn't it, boys? Hey. Eh? Yeah. 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 So I just sort of bring that to your attention. Well, um, we might, unless anyone else has anything you wanted to cover before we go, we might have to wrap this one up shortly. I've got a nice beef brisket that's yeah. ready to be served to me very shortly. So, um, anything else, uh, Andy? I'll throw to you um, for this particular episode. Um, in this uh, uh, happening in the last two weeks, anything else you want to bring up? Yeah. Look, I just like Sedgway a little bit into what Ethan has sort of very well covered anyway. But basically, the the way I see it, the social engineering of the fear porn that's going on, you know, in the Western world, basically just like, you know, pushes pushes humans into, you know, what I believe is the is the target to be just basically dumbed down worker drones, um, broke on basically the same peasant style incomes, um, low intelligence and basically to be serviced to, to like major corporations. That's where we're heading unless we can steer this thing back into the right direction. But if we, if we let the hidden hand or the cabal keep us on this track, that's where we're going. We'll lose all of our freedoms, our, our right to earn our own money. Um, we'll lose everything, you know. And, and the, like 2030 was the target. So they've basically got 10 years, best part of 10 years to achieve their target. And unless people can wake up from, you know, getting information from RNA or TOTT News and, and many, many others around the world and rise up and rise their own vibration against this sort of stuff, that's where we're heading, folks. So um, don't be a slave to this fear. Um, you know, like think for yourself and your family and and together we can come out of this thing so that's my final words general nice thanks mate uh ethan how about yourself yeah thanks general well said there andy i couldn't agree more mate yeah, um you know it's it, it and that's what i'm i'm sort of focusing on you know just trying to to put some information out there as well you know about things that we can do to you know overcome this you know obviously there's a lot to get out so it's it's sort of getting to that type of information but i think i think it's very interesting just seeing how much talk there is about this and you know everything that we've talked about from fake hospitals to bill gates to 5g to everything that's going on there's a lot of talk around the world about this so it, it is very refreshing to see it's very refreshing to see all of the sites going up and stuff and people getting onto this but you know as i've also talked about it's also time to you know try and Think about yourself, try and look after yourself and, and the immediate ones around you, your community, you know, like-minded friends, all that type of stuff and, and really just sort of prepare for for what's what's could be on the way and, and, and what's coming and just think about, you know, what what is going to happen if, if it does come out and there is a vaccine and I can't go into society? Am I going to take that vaccine? I think the sooner we start to think about it now, you know, the, the more ahead of the game that we can get, you know, trying to, as... Andy said, find ways to raise our vibrations, to to beat the fear porn, to turn off the television, to to just realise that this isn't as bad as it is, you know, to not be fearful when we go out and, to you know, to not be fearful of things that we say and also to, you know, look after ourselves and, and realise what is developing before our eyes. So 
I just want to encourage everyone to do that. Um, I thank everyone for listening. Um, to all the members out there of my website that are listening, Membership Forum is going to be launched soon so we can all jump in there and talk about solutions and link up and see what we're going to do with everything that's it's about to unfold. And, you know, I encourage everyone out there as well, if you've got social groups and friends that you know that are like-minded, you know, connect with them and, and, and just talk about all types of solutions and scenarios that, you know, could potentially occur. Because, as I said, the, the sooner we get on top of it, the the more ahead of the curb we can be, not to use their language yes. from their fake... <laughs> I was about their to fake, say. Yeah, their fake virus against them, but we can actually get <laughs> ahead, ahead of the, the real curve, curve <laughs> the, the draconian curve that's coming, you know, not the, not the fake curve that we need to supposedly flatten, so... Yeah. Thank you to everyone out there, and you know, I'm, we'll be back again to, to have a chat about these things. I've had two mojitos. No, sorry, Danielle just burst in the door. <laughs> She's had two mojitos. Sorry about that, boys. Too many. Oh, too many mojitos. Where's mine? Um, we're just wrapping up, up now. Okay. Um, still recording, I'm guessing. No, no, we're still recording. Oh, okay. yeah, hello. <laughs> um, yeah, so I just wanted to wrap up. Well said, two weeks, and I completely agree with you there. Good stuff. And funny thing is we're just as you were sort of talking about that i had a comment pop up on my oh sorry when you were talking about the gates article you put up i said a comment come through on wordpress on the website saying gates is totally evil how the hell can't people see it from fed up so it was just very serendipitous that they sent that through at the exact same time you were talking about it so yeah <laughs> very good um in just to wrap up boys I, i'm not going to add anything extra because i think I, i've said it i need to say it and i concluded with um i concur with exactly what both of your sentiments are um that you've just put forward what I will say, though, is I just wanted to thank the people who have been contacting uh, me through the website. They've sent a, I've had a few emails come through over the last fortnight from new listeners and from others. Um, even had a couple of a small donation come through from a particular listener as well. So thank you very much to him. Um, you know, I hope you've um, you, you've enjoyed the show and you continue to do so. And if you feel the need to support us, then that's that's your prerogative. And I really do thank the ones that do, and it's really great to see that. Um, so yeah, thank you for all those people and uh, this has been the General Knowledge Podcast uh, Season 2, what are we, Episode 12 I'm pretty sure for this one, yes we are so thanks again guys that's a wrap.